You're listening to a Tudor in Stuart Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference podcast. The 10th annual Tudor in Stuart Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference took place at the Royal Irish Academy on the 19th and 20th of August 2022. The conference was generously supported by the Royal Irish Academy and Marsh's Library. As in previous years, the conference was recorded for podcasting by Real Smart Media in association with History Hub. You can access the archive of Tudor and Stuart Ireland Conference podcasts on History Hub's website, historyhub.ie, as well as on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Spotify. In this episode, a recording of a paper by Alan Ford from the University of Nottingham, entitled A Fragment Fallen from the Ancient Time, St. Patrick's Purgatory and Confessional History. What I'm talking about is the writing of Reformation history, the writing of Counter-Reformation history, um, and how those are fundamentally divided. Luther had a problem. The Catholics said, you've no ancestry, you've no origin. What he had to do was turn to history. What he wanted to use history for was to show that the original purity of the church had declined, changed over time. Medieval decay, the rise of Antichrist around 1000, had led to the need for a reformation to return to that early purity. And he needed history to show that the church had changed and decayed. And, of course, they were able to use all the new humanist tools of source criticism, return ad fontes, to demonstrate that things had changed. And, of course, history is about change, and it it isn't very hard to to do so. On the Catholic side, you had the response of of Cesare Baronio, um, a wonderful historian. And, of course, what the Catholic response to the Protestants' use of history, it was not about change, it was about continuity. 3,000 columns of Sempere Adam, as the way um, um, Simon Ditchfield describes Baronio's great 12-volume history of the Catholic Church, and he only got up to the 12th century. Um, So we have two very different hermeneutics, two very different ways in which you approach history and ways in which you you write history, both using the same facts, of course, but uh, interpreting them uh, in different ways. I've forgotten about Baronio, haven't I? There he is. Nowhere is this more evident than in Irish uh, history. Here there are two schools of history from around about 1600, one Protestant, uh, one Catholic. For 400 years then, from the Reformation until about the middle of the 20th century, um, you had these two separate templates uh, for Irish history. For Protestants, St. Patrick was a Briton who decided to come over to Ireland of his own volition, found a church which, in terms of its beliefs, was little different to later Protestantism, scripturally based, no belief in transubstantiation, of course, um, and little interest in purgatory or indulgences. It it was, to all intents and purposes, they claimed, independent of uh, the Roman church uh, until the 12th century reforms when Rome asserted its control over the Irish church, and that was, of course, just when Antichrist was asserting his control over the Roman church, uh, according to to Luther. It it all made sense. So then the Irish church of saints and scholars was corrupted by anti-Christian popery, requiring the 16th century uh, reformation. 
for Catholics, uh, of course, um, Patrick was sent, indeed he was consecrated uh, by the Pope, and from the beginning created a, an exemplary, perfect counter-Reformation Catholic Church, a model of piety and learning for the rest of Europe, where heresy and martyrdom were unknown until the arrival of the, the, the her heretical Protestants. Um, and despite Protestant persecution and violence, this church, like the Irish people, was and would remain forever loyal to Rome. What I want to do is to look now at a, a little example of Irish history and see how both sides uh, approached it. Um, the example I'm going to use is St. Patrick's uh, Purgatory uh, in Donegal. Anyone been? Don't be shy. Come on. Ah, of course. Excellent. Isn't that lovely? Um, okay. Um, I, I haven't, uh, but then I wouldn't, would I? Um, okay. <laughs> And one of the things I've been really conscious in this paper is that, yes, I'm a Protestant, okay? And, and I can see the previous historical tradition influencing me as I make my completely neutral uh, historical judgments. Um, the first firm mention of, of St. Patrick's Purgatory uh, comes around 1284 in an English monk called Henry of Saltry, who records secondhand the story of an Irish knight called Owen who had visited a mysterious cave where, after passing through the agonies inflicted on sinners in Purgatory, he'd glimpsed the doors of paradise itself and had been absolved of his sins. And the origin of that purgatory is traced back to uh, St. Patrick, um, who had been led uh, by God to uh, Loch Derg, who'd shown him the cave there and promised that anyone who entered it and stayed for a day and a night, uh, truly penitent, would be purged of their sins. And then Patrick is reported to have handed over the site to the Augustinian canons to be uh, its, gu its guardians. There is uh, records of the purgatory in the 12th century in Geraldus, uh, Topographia, um, and uh, also in Joss, we think in Jocelyn of Furness as well, a what, 13th century um, Cistercian hagiographer. And of course, this is the perfect uh, location uh, for um, uh, the underworld. It's on the uh, edge of the Western world, the known universe. Um, uh, and, of course, it entered into the European uh, imagination as the story of Henry of Saltry was copied and used and recopied as visitors came and gave their accounts uh, of visiting uh, this pilgrimage on the edge, um, as uh, Lawrence Taylor has described it. And, in fact, Loch Derg became uh, the first Irish worldwide tourism destination. It even appears um, in uh, contemporary maps. Um, that's Ulster on, on its side, with a big, long, in, in, uh, a big long, it's uh, Ortelius's map, um, with a, a big, long description of, of St. Patrick's Purgatory. That's 1584. Now, of course, this story poses an obvious problem for religious historians. How do you deal with the complicated interpenetration of fact and story, vision, memory, myth that surrounds St. Patrick's Purgatory? To many Irish historians, of course, we're all bloody empiricists, aren't we? Um, to many Irish historians, um, the main purpose of our discipline has been to distinguish between history and myth. But, of course, to those you know, with a more postmodern uh, sensibility, this binary division is, of course, itself a myth. Sorting out what the sources are telling us, how they are misleading us, is for us and for our sources, therefore, a complex process, dealing as it does with issues of belief, faith, judgment, discernment, credence and credulity, memory and forgetting, you know, all the usual stuff. Um, let's begin with the early 17th century and the Catholic side. Standard account, the best account, is um, that written by David Roth, the Bishop of Ossory, uh, published in Thomas Messingham's pioneering study of Irish saints in, in, in Paris. 
this gives the, the standard account, Patrick under divine guidance, vision of purgatory, founded Loch Derg to show the uh, reluctant Irish people the reality of divine punishment after death. He handed over the church to the Augustinians and ordered um, that the accounts of uh, entering purgatory be preserved. Um, and aware, uh, as he was, that this, attack, this uh, account was under attack by Protestant heretics, Roth proceeded to try and support it by using the full panoply of uh, historical sources. And here his primary emphasis was, on, on, quite naturally, on the authority of tradition. It, tradition's constant and consistent... It's cons- constant and consistent acceptance in every age by popular memory across this whole nation. And he backed this up by pointing to the consensus within the church of all learned wise men, to the references to St. Patrick's purgatory in liturgy and ancient hymns, and from external sources, though, of course, all the external sources were were post-12th century. On the Protestant side... um, the leading historian was James Usher, who I've spent my lifetime working on. Um, and his approach to purgatory was a standard Protestant one, denial of its existence. When you're dead, you go to heaven or hell. That's it, mate. Purgatory was, in other words, he said, a new device never heard of in the Church of God for the space of a thousand years after the birth of our Saviour Christ. In 1632, the Dublin uh, government, going through a particularly nasty anti-Catholic phase, uh, raided the loch, and under the local bishop, James Spottiswood, they destroyed uh, St. Patrick's uh, purgatory. And uh, Spottiswood's successor, uh, Henry Jones, published in 1647 the most important early modern Protestant uh, account of the shrine. Uh, And Jones's approach can be summarised under five simple headings. This could be a very long paper, but just briefly. Stress on this worldly ordinariness, water, grass, rock, no entrance to purgatory. Dismissal of traditional stories, what he calls fables about the lake and purgatory and its association with Patrick. These are undocumented and unprovable. An interesting psychological explanation for the visions, you know, explaining them as a result of the fasting uh, of of the pilgrims, uh, their imaginary. Um, the re- well, vision, oh, our vision's imaginary. Yeah, okay, let's not go there. The rejection of Roth's claims for antiquity as being based on either unsubstantiated tradition, i.e. not proper history, or sources after uh, the 12th century. And finally, a belief, uh, a very Protestant belief, that purgatory was essentially a fraud on the gullible. So we can see that the argument between Catholics and Protestants over St. Patrick's purgatory neatly reflects their own history historiographical, their own hermeneutical assumptions. On the Catholic side, there's the respect for tradition, for the consensus of Catholic churchmen, for continuity between Patrick and the 12th century, uh, and a respect for local piety and belief. On the Protestant side, there's the challenging of tradition and a more critical attitude towards sources and their dating and an awareness of anachronism. The Augustinians weren't introduced to Ireland until the, the 12th century. And, of course, there is here a very interesting um, and and complex uh, and difficult um, coincidence between theological principles, or you could call them theological prejudices, and historical judgment. It's as if they're led to question the Catholic sources and subject them to close historical analysis by the theological need, the theological desire to prove them wrong. Usher thus anticipates Jacques Le Goff by dating the invention of purgatory to the 12th century, 450 years precisely between the publication of Usher and Jack Lagoff's book. Um, But, of course, the whole hermeneutic is different. 
Jacques Le Goff was a good analyst historian, and uh, uh, Usher believed the Pope was Antichrist. On the Catholic side, it's also interesting uh, 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 historically. There's a kind of a tension between theology and religious practice, between historical method and Catholic belief. The uncompromising evidence from Henry of Salty that that it was an actual entry into uh, purgatory uh, isn't uh, actually consonant with the way in which theologically they wanted to have purgatory as uh, something that happened uh, after uh, this life, it was a, a spiritual uh, experience rather than a literal descent in, into purgatory in this life. Um, and in other words, there was a gap, if you like, between the, the medieval theology of purgatory in Paris and the, the, the practice uh, in Loch Derg, which led in, in 1497 to the shrine being closed down. Though I've seen someone said that was a forgery. Is that right? Some Italian scholar was claiming? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, And, of course, at the Reformation, this tension became even more polarised as Protestant controversialists uh, attacked Catholics and Catholics denounced them uh, as heretics. And, of course, the problem was that the Protestant destruction of the shrine merely entrenched and confirmed existing Catholic positions. Irish Catholic piety was was vibrant uh, at this time. And as uh, Bernadette Cunningham and Ray Gillespie have shown, St. Patrick's purgatory was deeply uh, embedded in it. But there were still difficulties for Catholic historians. Um, There was the the problem of the desire to show continuity um, that this conflicted with with historical facts. Um, And, of course, this was most obviously evident in those wonderful historians um, the Jesuit uh, Bollandists, um, who had set out in the early 17th century to use historical source-critical methodology uh, in order to distinguish in saints' lives between the later invention uh, and, and, and the reality. Um, and in 1668, we have um, a, an account of St. Patrick published as they're moving through the calendar. Um, they never finished, did they? No, not quite. Still, Still going, but they, 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 they've never got, never got to the end of December. Um, they, there's an account by um, um, Godfrey Henschen and, and Daniel Papabroch, um, and Papabroch is the most wonderful historian, absolutely, a joy to read. Um, and look at his, his, his birth date as well. Um, and um, they devoted five pages to St. Patrick's Purgatory. Uh, and from a modern historian's point of view, um, they, 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 are, they are a pleasure to read. It's an attempt to come to terms with the existing sources uh, and to present a critical appraisal whilst being sensitive to the spiritual and, and, and pious realities. Um, thus, Roth's claims that liturgical references support the idea that purgatory was founded by Patrick are subject to a thorough critique. Papa Brock wasn't particularly impressed by the historical claims of, of, of liturgy. Um, the historical difficulties of the link with Patrick uh, are, are noted. Uh, the fact that the Augustinian canons only came in the 12th century uh, is, is noted. There's the possibility of there being several local Patricks that could have been founders uh, of the shrine. Um, and above all, he, he tackles the difficult reality of uh, the difficult question of the reality of the shrine and the pilgrim's uh, experience. He distinguishes between things that are seen with physical eyes um, and th- those things that are seen with the eyes of imagination. And, and these are visions. And while he recognises that visions can be misleading and false, he says this one, the, the vision of Owen, who had originally seen the purgatory, was obviously true because it led him uh, to contrition, um, to repentance for his sins. 
Um, in other words, we're on the way here to the counter-reformation reconceptualization of St. Patrick's Purgatory um, as a penitential pilgrimage, a spiritual or devotional exercise rather than a this-worldly entrance uh, into purgatory. Time okay? Well, perfect. Let's draw these threads together in four minutes. Um, the Reformation and the Counter-Reformation unleashed a torrent of ecclesiastical history which transformed our knowledge of the Church's past. But history was part of a broader intellectual enterprise, very closely linked to theology and very closely linked to controversial theology, to proving that the other side was right. And this was a bit like a zero-sum game. We aren't collaborating and writing history together. We're writing history in order to prove that you're wrong. And if you're wrong, that means I'm right. Um, it's not like, unlike a, a review section in a journal. Um, the... And what we have here is a very interesting combination, um, well, the universal combination, that, which is the fate of all humanity scholars, you could argue, the interpenetration of subjective assumptions with objective research. And we've seen how the hermeneutical assumptions, which are part of Reformation and Counter-Reformation uh, theology, uh, both helped and hindered historical interpretation. And it, it don't go for the, the myth that it's a binary tension between historical truth and theological belief. It's a much more complicated mixture of the two. And, of course, the two went on conflicting uh, across time. Daniel O'Connor, the fullest account of, 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 of Loch Derg, had this horrified page where he referred to John Lanigan, who was an extremely good historian, although not very well popular with the, with the Catholic hierarchy, um, who uh, had this uh, announcement, look, mates, um, there's no link to Patrick as far as he was concerned. And, and uh, basically um, what, what O'Connor says is this man doesn't understand the importance of oral tradition. Um, very like John Healy's um, 1605 St. Patrick. Um, where does that leave St. Patrick today, uh, St. Patrick's Purgatory today? Obviously the pilgrimage survives, shorn of its medieval uh, excesses. Um, it's now a penitential exercise. But, of course, if you're looking for hard historical fact to say that it was there before the 12th century, uh, you're struggling. So, that's it. We can dismiss it. Um, let's uh, forget history for a moment. Um, that splendid biblical scholar, Jerome Murphy O'Connor, reflecting on the fact that the modern pilgrim route for the, uh, route for the Via Dolorosa in Jerusalem was actually a medieval invention, suggested... What is consecrated by piety and effort still has religious value. And of course, this brings us into that area of pious, scholarly, and uh, often unscholarly speculation. And it brings us into that area, that fraught issue of Celtic, or rather early Irish Christianity, that area of mists and mellow fruitlessness, where legend happily pursues and devours the few ascertainable facts of history. And here, of course, there is a Celtic hinterland uh, for St. Patrick's Purgatory, one that stresses continuity rather than disruption, points to the power of Irish oral tradition and sees Irish religious culture as distinctive for its thin, permeable veil between physical and spiritual reality. And the fact that even though the word purgatory can be shown to be invented in the 12th century, that doesn't mean that the concept wasn't there before. And then there is the shadowy background to the purgatory, the story of the lake's origins, the battle between the monster and St. Patrick, leaving the monster dead and the lake turned jarring, uh, and the local saint, St. Doviog, whose cult was associated with islands in Loch Derg, and the shadowy existence of an early monastery there. And, of course, this is all complete historical nonsense. Isn't it? Thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast 
from the Tudor and Stuart Ireland Interdisciplinary Conference. You can access the entire archive of Tudor and Stuart Ireland Conference podcasts on History Hub's website, historyhub.ie, as well as on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and Spotify.